Hello and welcome to the Heart of the Piano podcast, where we are, as always, exploring the world of piano.、Uh, again, we're here at Foresight's、um, beautiful giant piano、uh, shop in the middle of Manchester. They don't just do pianos; they do all kinds of instruments. They have concerts. They've got a huge range of pianos, uprights and grand pianos.、Uh, I was just chatting to the manager just now,、um, just before starting this podcast, and the couple had actually driven all the way up from Kent. Just to look at some upright pianos, and they did end up buying a, an upright. So people come from really a long, a long way away、um, for the amazing stuff that they have here. So, like I said, they do all kinds of different instruments. They do all kinds of woodwind and、uh, guitars, classical, electric.、Uh, they do a, a big range of digital pianos. If you're interested, I will leave links. In the show notes, the show notes are as always on heartofthepiano.com, and if you click on podcasts at the top, and there I'm going to put all the details about four sides, their website address, their contact details, and so on. But、uh, basically, four sides have been very kind and let us use a beautiful teaching room,、uh, also practice room, with a very very beautiful grand piano. It's well worth using if you need to use somewhere in the middle of Manchester, in the centre of Manchester. Anyway, so. We're here again with Cheryl. Hello, Cheryl. Hi. It's always、uh, very much appreciated when when Cheryl comes to these because you're super super busy. Loved the last episode that we did together.、Um, I was actually listening to it as I was driving in. So nice to to be able to to explore these things with you. Hi. Sorry for interjecting. This is Bob at home, having just finished the editing. I just wanted to apologise because there was a problem with the main microphone that I was using during the day. Didn't realise this till I got home. Luckily, there was a backup microphone, but the quality wasn't as good, and it picked up a lot of the background noise. So, as you listen to this episode, from time to time, it's going to cut in between the different microphones. Hopefully, it shouldn't affect your enjoyment of the episode too much. Again, my apologies for that,、uh, and I hope that you still enjoy it. Also, having listened back to the whole episode,、uh, I just wanted to really, really say thank you to Cheryl for being such a good sport. There were quite a few times when I asked her to do something that I knew actually is almost impossible to do, and at the time, Cheryl would have been wondering, "Why can't I do this? Why does this feel so difficult?" And then I made clear, "Well, this is because doing it this way is really difficult. Almost no one can do it this way." So, thank you to Cheryl for. Being such a good sport for this, being put on the spot because it's only in hindsight, which is like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. And more to the point, when I then asked Cheryl to do things in the way which is the better way of doing it, then Cheryl absolutely nailed it. So she was a fantastic guinea pig, if you want to put it that way, and demonstrated these things incredibly well. Thank you, Cheryl. Anyway, back to the show. And today, I'm going to add a fifth psychological skill. This one—it's—it's kind of half psychological and half theoretical. I think that we'll explore mostly the psychological side of this one, and this is basically looking at tension and release. Now, this is one of these things that、um, some musicians talk about a lot. I think all professional pianists. Understand tension and release very well, and it's something that gets talked about,、uh, taught, and explored at high levels of music making. I think it doesn't get explored enough at beginner level music making and at intermediate amateur level music making. I think that this is something that jazz people talk about a lot, and right from the beginning, when anybody starts to learn jazz, 
the concept of tension and release comes up almost immediately, but not really in classical. Although some teachers do, when I spoke to some of my friends, I think some teachers do talk about this. Anyhow, so Cheryl was a student of mine in the past, and um, and before we started this episode, before we started recording, I was asking Cheryl what she remembered of me ever talking about tension and release. So, uh, yeah, Cheryl, what do you remember <laughs> about tension and release in the lessons? So I remember talking about it. <laughs> it's more I can probably show you more what it means, but it, uh, how, do you, how do you describe it better than tension and release? That's Okay, so when you say show me, do you mean like by playing something? Um, <laughs> no. And Cheryl's always very shy of playing. Yeah, very. And I'm yeah. always emphasising that the reason why we have Cheryl here, there's many reasons, but one being to kind of demonstrate how the psychological skills can help us at the piano. So it's not to judge your piano playing. <laughs> it's just really to see a before... And and an after, and to to be able to basically have someone demonstrating these things. Nobody is is really listening to you and how good you are. It's it's fine. We we understand that this is not a performance. You haven't prepared specially to play amazingly and dazzle us. Mm -hmm. That that's not kind of the point of it. So having said that, is it something that you could kind of show, kind of at the piano? This this Probably. tension release. Um. Let's try, shall we? Okay. This is an arietta by Grieg, a small romantic miniature. Okay. Kind of see... I was trying to really emphasise it there, but yeah. So tell us what you were doing. So... Basically, it's a very basic way of, of describing it, but essentially you play and then you sort of pull the time so that it slows down to create that tension. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you release and you go again. Yes. So it's almost like pulling time. So it's, so changing changing the tempo by stretching it yeah. uh, or compressing it. So can you can you talk us through, as you're playing, what is happening with tension release? I'll try. <laughs> that's a strange thing to do. <laughs> I'll try. Okay, so. So this is sort of where you play. That's where you slow down a little bit then. And as you slow down, what's happening to the tension and release? Pardon? So so we've got tension and release. Yes. They're, they're two kind of opposite sides of the same coin. Yeah. And you were describing what happened as you were slowing down. Which side of the coin is happening as you're slowing down? Well, so it's the tension. Okay, you're building yeah, yeah. The tension so, you're so, so talk us through that as that happens. You can talk it through. You can hear it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can hear it, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's the tension. Okay, so so the tension is is the the part where you kind of slow down. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At this point. I'm going to demonstrate it and sort of talk it through so that people who are listening really kind of understand, I think, what, what what's going on here. Yep. So this Grieg Arietta, we have, um, uh, it starts in the tonic. And then we've got quite a lot of tension here. Um, 
So the, the skeleton of it more or less is... So if I play it and talk through, we, we just start off normally and then slow down. And, and that slowing down basically exaggerates the tension that's in the music. And if I really take this to its extreme, what I'm doing, I, if I just play it completely straight, completely metronomically, uh, and so on, that's just playing it completely straight. Now, if I really exaggerate, like, like what we do as pianists, it's almost like we are signposting stuff. We're, we're really leading people to show this is important, this, this is less important. So if I play like this... That's obviously completely over the top and in bad taste, but, but uh, we're playing around with tension and release, so... Hopefully most people can feel there is tension now in that point. And one of the ways that you get tension is by slowing down. So if I did the opposite, if I go... That's obviously completely wrong. So anyway, I'll let, I'll let Cheryl come back to the piano. So Cheryl, can you play for us again the, the Greek arietta and exaggerate the tension release in the way that I was really exaggerating it? really really interesting because when I describe and so far I've described we've explored tension release from a quite intellectual point of view in that you slow down we're, we're primarily looking at it through the lens of if you slow down you create more tension now the problem with that approach is and you know I, I do bring this up a lot in in lessons to understand, you know, we want to understand intellectually, we want to understand it from the mind, but that's never enough. And when people only approach it through that lens, it's so difficult to get that proper feeling of tension release. And I think that's what you're finding at the moment. Is that right, Cheryl? Describe to me, when, when you played that last time, how did that tension release feel for you? Did, did Completely it feel... unnatural, to be honest. So yes. it was just me thinking about it. It, it didn't feel anything. It just... Yes. I was like, really slow down here to try and, try yes, and create tension yes. and then and speed back up here to release it kind of thing. But it didn't feel natural. So yes. It didn't feel like a tension release. Yes. So in other words, it's kind of a little bit contrived. Yeah, and, it's forced. And the, yeah, and the, and the effect doesn't really actually truly make me feel that tension and release. And again, I'm going to demonstrate again, I think, if I exaggerate, because it's not just, just Cheryl. It, this happens with all my students when we explore intellectually how you get tension and release so um, I'll, I'll just demonstrate some of the what, what happens when we're too intellectual with it 
So, yeah, what what happens when people think about only intellectually trying to speed up and slow down? They'll be like, okay, this bit, this bit is just normal. And now I need to slow down. And then this bit goes faster. And then slow. I know, I know Cheryl can play this absolutely beautifully, but suddenly the sort of trying to think about it mainly through the intellectual lens becomes really, really difficult. So basically what I was doing is fast, slow, bit faster, and then suddenly slow. And, and a lot of people will, they'll think they're emoting. They think that they're being really expressive, but it's not really happening. Now, this is the difference with when it happens well. It's going to sound more like... So, what's the difference... Well, as if as you could say, you're in your right brain versus your left brain. <laughs> That's one way of saying it. But okay, yeah, you're not thinking about it as much. You're not thinking exactly about that. You're just kind of letting it. You're feeling the music. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it depends how you use how you define the word "think," and we could go down a, a long rabbit hole about this. But basically, the difference for me is that. Well, well, I mean, there's one major change, which is, which is basically, you, you could look at this through an intellectual lens, and that's basically that there was no abrupt change in speed. All the changes in speed were gradual. I suppose I can now do that. The more advanced you get as a musician, the more you can do that in, in, a, in an intellectual contrived way. You can purposefully, gradually speed up and slow down, and it's a thing that you kind of develop a technique for, I think, as you get more advanced. Um, let me demonstrate one more thing. This is something that I sometimes get my students to do when they're struggling with rubato, which is basically what we're looking at. And that's the ability to just be able to either gradually speed up or just gradually slow down without any sudden bumps. So something like if I start slow and then speed up... Or the opposite, which is start fast. Uh, and so on and so on. And I'm going to say that this is something that I think most of my students, and certainly most of my below grade 8 students, will really struggle with. Out of interest, can I put you on the spot, Cheryl, and see how you would be start slow and by the end of the first line be faster, but so gradual that there's no one point where it just suddenly speeds up? Oh, that is excellent. That is really, really good. So what you might be able to do is, would you be able to, the moments in the music that have tension, would you be able to gradually slow into them rather than just very abruptly slow into them?
So, so there, so, so that, that second bar, moment of a lot of tension, right? Mm-hmm. But, but it was the same speed. I didn't hear a change. Really? Yeah. Exaggerate it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, now, see, see, that's my point. You, you, you can do that. So, so you could do it there, but it still doesn't feel expressive. It, I, um, how was it in terms of the musical tension that you were feeling in that moment? Oh, sorry, I was just trying to do what you told me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, but and also have the tension because that's why we're doing it. And and Cheryl's looking so baffled. And this is kind of my point. This is exactly my point that this is so hard. <laughs> Let me try it again. Okay. To me, it's just actually getting worse. I think I'm just <laughs> overthinking it now. To be honest. It, yeah. It, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This, this is my whole point that. Um, you know, when I demonstrated playing it before and showing, and now I'm slowing down and now I'm speeding up, and this cannot happen purely by intellect and purely by analyzing the chords and analyzing where the tension is and trying to speed up and slow down. So many of my students get, get stuck in this place, but tension and release is so important. So basically, I've, I've spent such a long time waffling to get to this point. So thank you for your patience for, for sticking with me so far. This is a psychological skill, mainly, because, um, okay, I'm going to demonstrate some more stuff. Uh, me and Cheryl are going to swap microphones. Okay, so, so if I play something like, um, let's take Happy Birthday. This is one that I kind of play around with from time to time. And it actually was Cheryl's birthday really recently. So happy birthday, Cheryl. Um, happy birthday to Cheryl. And is that the end? And, I mean, okay, I mean, we all know how happy birthday goes. But um, how do you know that's not the end, other than the fact that, you know, that there's a you at the end? So, I mean, I could play something. I could make something up. I can... Uh, I don't know, let me just think. Um... The end? No. How do you know? It's not gone back to the root chord, is it? It's not gone back home. <laughs> okay, l- let me ask another question. Somebody who's never studied a musical instrument in their life knows nothing about music theory... Would they know that wasn't the end? Yeah. How do they know? You can hear it, can't you? You know when it's like, how do you explain it? Um, <laughs> you know when it's just sort of hanging there and you're like, it, it, you can hear the next note where it needs to go to finish. But, but is, it a, is it like an intellectual thing? You, you intellectually know that's not the end? Because um, I'm going to argue that, that there's a much more tangible way that you know that, that you, you might not be aware of, but this is how you know it's not the end. Not mathematically. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> the, no, the total opposite. I mean, yes, it's the complete opposite. Um, so if I, come, if I come up with another one, um, let, let's see. Um... Uh, 
where's the rest of it? <laughs> yeah. Now, tell me more. Well, your your I suppose your whole body kind of just knows. There. That. Yes. 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 This is. I mean, in many ways, you know, it's a, I'm really asking leading questions, and uh, but yeah, your body knows. Um, I was just making that up completely on the spot, and then I was thinking, oh my god, this is turning into a Christmas carol or something. But, but yeah, tell me more about how the body knows. From a scientific point of view? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, what led you to say that? Well, I could feel it. Right, almost, yeah, yeah, you yeah. could feel it's it. It's almost like you can feel yourself kind of stepping forward. You're like, like kind of, what's well, the tension? Yeah, yeah. It's the tension. So tell it's me like, more about how that felt. Uh... Well, you feel like it's going somewhere. It's not, so you feel like it's still moving. So yeah. it kind of, your body kind of feels like keep, keep going. Like there's something that, that's yeah, how yeah. yeah. How would you describe that? Because at the moment, Cheryl is, is making a load of very expressive gestures with, with her hands <laughs> that, that would be useful to, to kind of see. But how would you put that into words for somebody that's only listening? Um, where, you, when you else in life do you get like that your feeling? Going to move. So, so um, I, I don't know. Let's have another one. I'll uh, uh, put myself on the spot. What are you feeling? Um. <laughs> Kind of already said it. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, okay, well, we'll yeah. keep, keep, keep kind of... Where do you feel it in your body? Where is that feeling in your body? Because what you were describing before is more like you were describing the, the body moving forward, going somewhere. See if you can find the raw physical sensations um, inside your body. Where do you feel whether, what those feelings are as I stopped there? <laughs> okay, uh, let's come up with another one. And then, and then I'm going to sort of say... Where in your body is the sensation and what is the sensation in a way that you describe as the raw experience of the sensation and not how your mind interprets it, but literally just the raw physical sensation, which is incidentally a skill that we explore a lot in meditation and Buddhism. But anyway. kind of feel it in your chest ah there it is yeah well, it's a it sensation in, chest, in the chest hands and feet actually sorry chest hands and feet actually oh yeah. feet that's interesting okay <laughs> but that's because i dance i love dancing, oh you're so a dancer I okay dan i wouldn't say i'm a dancer but i love dancing and so music makes me move yeah and so that's kind of what i was getting at before that's why i was so confused when you were sort of asking me um <laughs> where in your body do you feel it? do you feel it because in a lot of ways i feel it completely ah. like i move to music so, so yeah so i really oh, paid attention so then, but it is from my chest first yeah we, we've spoken a bit before about cheryl's love of dancing and how that keeps <laughs> uh, coming up in in these things but yeah describe more about what you're feeling in the chest yeah it, i suppose it starts from there isn't it it's like you I suppose it's in the same way when you experience listening to music kind of thing, as you're kind of going with it. And then when it abruptly stops, it, your chest keeps going forwards. It's like it's still. Tell, tell me more about that sensation in the chest. Like, OK, where in the chest is it? Does it have a shape? Does it does it move? Um, and rather than it wanting to move somewhere else, how is it actually moving inside your body at that moment when when the music stops? Describe as much as possible all those sensations in the chest 
Does that make sense? And do you want me to play another one? Yeah, play another one. And let me see. Yeah. Make it a really horrible one that uh, I want. I really want to hear the cadence and... Um, okay, I, I never know what it's going to be until I play it. but Because uh... <laughs> then, then it's easier to hear it. Okay. Well, it. we'll see what happens because I never know what it's going to be until it just comes out. Okay. so tell me more about that that feeling in the chest i suppose it's more like a kind of expanding feeling it starts off quite small but then the longer it's the longer you don't play the chord the final ending yeah the kind of bigger that feeling kind of grows if that makes sense okay and it does actually feel more annoying like you do feel more (laughs) tense kind of thing right right that tension because there is like an uncomfortableness to that tension. What is it about that physical sensation that makes it uncomfortable? And that is a hard one to answer, but but what do you reckon? Um, I personally think somebody who studies physics would probably be able to explain this in terms of sound <laughs> waves and mathematically what's happening. Um, but leaving that aside... Um, But I think what's important here, and the reason why I'm asking you all these questions, is because I think that most people don't explore these sensations, the feelings. And this is what we want to really, really take time to feel into and explore. Because most people just notice it in their heads. In the same way that when we started, and I said, how do you know that that's not the end? You're like, well, I just know it's not the end, rather than I felt it wasn't the end. But the more, the deeper we go into this, well, we know because we feel it, but we don't often take the time to to come inwards and explore the feeling. Now, as musicians, the more we come inside and explore that feeling, that's what musicality is, or at least that's a huge part of what musicality is. It's feeling it from the inside. Now, yes, you know, sometimes we can be intuitive and it can be subconscious and we can do all of these things without really, with deep awareness, feeling them. But I'm going to argue that the more we consciously explore these physical sensations, we become better musicians. What do you think? So it's more that people are not experiencing music as thinking about it. You're feeling it and for me for example if I'm listening to a piece or pop music whatever uh, that I absolutely love you can feel for me the 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 what the bit the songs that and the pieces of music that absolutely get me are the ones that make my chest expand Mm. that's the best way of explaining it Mm. and I know that that's the song for me Mm. um it can be it can be it can be a fast dance type of one it can actually be a slow one it doesn't really matter but it give me that very specific feeling but I think, I, I don't know if people feel it in the same way I do, but I think people always do feel it. And I think everybody has the capacity and the capability of feeling that. Everyone does have the capacity, but I think you'd be surprised because I remember when I taught you, you are naturally very musical. And I don't think I needed to talk about this stuff a lot with you. But I will say that with at least 90% of my students, because I think this is just how 
our society and the role that classical music has within our society and the beliefs that people have about what it means to learn the classical instrument in our society, that the moment so, that most people, and I'm thinking particularly, not, not so much, I think, um, kids and teenagers, but, but I think particularly adult amateur students, the moment that they get to the piano and start trying to learn a classical piece of music, all of this natural ability that, that you talked about tends to fly out the window and suddenly everyone is like, right, must play the right notes, must play them in the right order, must get the rhythm correct, must do all the things that my teacher said. And suddenly they don't have a body, they don't have a, um, a, a heart, they don't have a chest, they don't have the, the, as I call it, interoceptive sensations of the chest, which is basically the sensations inside your chest. And, and I think you'd be surprised that, that in a lot of a lot of what I teach to my students is how to break this horrendous habit that most adult amateurs have of just closing all that stuff down because there's a belief that when you get to the piano and you try and learn it, that it's all intellect and you've got to strive and try really hard and, and you, you just suddenly don't feel it all. And then there's uh, also an extreme narrow focus on the notes that they're playing and um, basically, anyone who's been a long-term listener to the podcast knows exactly what I'm talking about. I've talked this topic to death on, on the topic of narrow focus that adult students tend to have. The more narrow focus that you have, the less you will feel all these things that we're talking about. And, and I think I've mentioned before, some of the uh, adult men students that I've had find this incredibly difficult in the context of a piano lesson, to go, what am I feeling in the heart? It's, it's almost impossible in the beginning for a lot of people. And sometimes I'll lose a student because they'll, they'll just be convinced straight away, either this just isn't possible, this is just not a thing, and they don't trust me that, that this is something that, that we want to uh, cultivate. And I'll come to this later if there's time for it, and if not, in future episodes, about the sheer amount of neuroscience uh, and neuropsychology that this inward awareness of physical sensations, how important this is, um, particularly in the insular cortex, but I, this is for a complete different time. Um, or, and this happens quite commonly as well, and I think particularly with men, because as men, we are, I think, heavily conditioned by society to not feel our heart, our chest. It's, it's being vulnerable. And I think that, you know, we spoke about this in the last episode that we recorded together, that um, men are conditioned to need to feel competent. And if I ask a, a male student in one of the first lessons, we're going to work on exploring some of the sensations going on in the chest. And they're like, I can't feel anything, which is, by the way, very, very normal. So, you know, Cheryl's a dancer. I think you're, you're healthily in touch with your emotions. But, you know, like a, a lot of us are not really in touch with our bodies. And, and for a long time, I wasn't um, in context outside of being a musician. Hopelessly shut off, you know. Anyhow. Can I ask you a question? Yes. How do you feel when you dance? So well, it's, I'm just taking you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Your comfort zone is the piano. Yeah, yeah. So well, if, well, if you put I mean, yeah, yourself into, a, into a, a world where, yeah. How, yeah. If you, yeah, put yourself like that. Because that, that's a great question. Because for a long time, I just considered myself to be a terrible, awful dancer. And I was a terrible, awful dancer. 
And um, and then for quite a few years, I took regular weekly salsa dancing lessons, and I was terrible. I was so bad at it because I, in those dance lessons, I was like all the students, I all the piano students I describe with all these bad habits. So. For example, some of this came from I wasn't looking for what there was to love in the steps. I was mainly focusing on trying to be good at it rather than feeling good. Most importantly, I came to it with, well, I'm just not good enough at this. I'm just terrible. And so, you know, um, uh, I was listening to me and Cheryl talking about this point. Um, uh, so, you know, go back and listen to some of the previous episodes. Um, basically, number two of the psychological skills and then me and Cheryl talking about the, the key core for psychological skills the moment you come at something with the sort of felt sense that you're not good enough at it you're gonna set in motion a whole load of things such as not being in touch with your body not not flowing with it not not feeling it or all those kinds of things and what was interesting and um, annoyingly this was something that i cracked just before the covid lockdown happened um, because I started to really structure and really systemize all these psychological things in, in um, teaching to my music students. And then I was like, oh my God, Bob, why are you not doing this when you're going to your salsa uh, dancing lessons? So I remember there was one week where I was like, okay, Bob, you know, basically go over all the stuff you've been saying to your students and just do that in the salsa dancing. And then suddenly it was like night and day. And, you know, I was always like the, the last one to pick up and move. It was always clumsy. And then suddenly, you know, like dance partners were like, Bob, you're on fire today. <laughs> so, you know, th these things really work, you know. Then I started experimenting them with, you know, silly things like I just play table tennis with someone. And then suddenly I was just nailing it. You know, th this works in, in a lot of different areas. So uh, th thanks for asking that, because I think actually that sort of shows that these are powerful things, um, not just in music. So yeah, as I was saying before, I found that um, some of the occasionally some adult men students would quit when I tried exploring this like um, reasonably early on. And by the way, I have learned from some of those experiences just to try and be a little bit more gentle with this approach because it, it's something that, that needs trust. And I can't just demand that people become vulnerable. <laughs> so, so I'm a lot more careful with these things now. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, but, but even so, I think, you know, like there are some male students that I've had for years that I'm still gently, you know, uh, exploring this stuff. Uh, anyway, so, so I was saying before that sometimes the occasional guy would quit quite quickly. And the second reason being that society really indoctrinates men to feel that we have to be competent. And so here's something that, you know, a lot of men, they come to me for, for lessons because they're already diploma level, they're already sort of quite accomplished, might not have had a teacher in a while. And then suddenly I'm asking them to do something, like be aware of sensations in the chest. And sometimes um, it's not possible to feel any sensations in the chest. And I just want to emphasize to people who are listening, this is completely normal. But a lot of men just go, just feel threatened by that because it's something they can't do. And no matter how much I say this is completely normal, they'll just quit because it's it's just a threat to the ego. <laughs> so, but, you know, like I said, I'm trying, you know, I'm, I'm now a lot more gentle with these things. But, um, and by the way, this is going to come to um, a future episode that we're going to do quite soon, which is to do with how to be a good student. But 
anyway, I, I'll, I'll come to that later. But um, so I just want to emphasize that Cheryl's brilliant at this because you're in touch with your body, you're in touch with your body, you dance, you're it helps that you're not a man because <laughs> men just a lot of the time do find this harder because to to feel what's in your chest is is vulnerable and my god we get that like you know the, the yeah for all kinds of reasons um we have to toughen up and and not let ourselves feel that a lot of the time which is very sad but then you know this is why we have piano and music so that we can gradually learn how to be human beings again and have feelings and be have have a healthy relationship with our feelings and yeah anyway this is for a whole different podcast so yeah rewind back to um tension release <laughs> but yeah it's all very intimately connected with tension and release so let me swap back seats with with cheryl now so here we are back on our original mics cheryl do you remember the other musical thing that happens with tension and release. So we've got tempo, mm -hmm. tempo speeding up, slowing down. What's the other thing that correlates really strongly with tension release, the musical element that, that strongly goes with tension release? Dynamics? Yes. Which way around? Well, you, uh, you would associate getting quieter with slower, I would have thought. It depends, actually. Okay, so let's take tension. A little bit. <laughs> let's take tension. So when there's tension... The tempo gradually stretches. I think before we would we, we said get slower. Maybe I should have been a bit more careful with that because it's not a it's not a sudden just suddenly get slower. It stretches in the way that when you stretch a rubber band, it's not binary. It's not like normal and then suddenly stretch. Mm -hmm. You you gradually stretch it. So the tempo gradually stretches. It gradually gets slower. So tension, we gradually stretch and and, and I'm making motions of pulling something apart with my hands so um what happens in the moment of tension that the music becomes full of emotion full of tension and by the way i, I also think that something that's useful to no no i'll come to that later so so anyway so so the tempo slows down gradually you've got this feeling of stretching what dynamic is going to go with that in the moment of tension why don't you try it yeah above it oh <laughs> <you slow> down. <laughs> well why, why don't you exaggerate um dynamics yeah like make it so over the top okay i i'm, I'm not feeling much over the top there really exaggerate Ah, now, now, okay, yeah, 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 that, so that's really interesting. Yeah, which, and then I'm going to add something else. Which way around, then, is it than when we have tension with the dynamics? I think I must have, I think I must have gone louder then. Yeah. When I was slowing down. But you weren't slowing down, you were speeding up quite significantly, and that's the thing I was going to get to. Yeah, you were speeding up again. Huh. Now, that's normal. This is completely normal. So I'm, I'm just going to put, so, so basically, point number one, this is such a, like 99% of the time, every time we have tension, 99% of the time, we get louder. Loud equals tension. Resolving tension, the release of tension, get quieter. And I'll come over and demonstrate that in a minute. 
Now, when we try and do this intellectually, that does not come from the chest, that does not come from the body, every single time, every single one of my students, um, whichever musical element they're focusing on, whether it's tempo or whether it's dynamics, so either trying to go slower for the tension or either trying to go louder for the tension, the opposite musical element will go the wrong way around when we do try and do this intellectually. Mm. There's a natural tendency that louder is quicker. Mm. But when we feel it from the chest that we're building this sense of, and, I, and I, I was sort of fishing for a word before that was suspense. I think that the word suspense is such a useful one when we have attention. So when I stop playing and there's like suddenly, and it's suspense. It's like what we'd have if um, we, we're watching a film or, or TV or, or even someone has an, an argument in front of us and someone says something and, and it's like, you know, and it's like, what's going to happen next? It's suspense. It's like, and, and, and we feel it in the breath as well. Like if you imagine um, something happens so shocking that you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? You can almost imagine that and, and that sound, that, that feeling of a sharp intake of breath and then holding your breath. That's tension. That's the, the same as that musical kind of tension. So it's not only like a, a feeling that you feel in your chest, almost like it's in your heart, but it changes the way that you breathe. And it's almost like a thing you feel in your lungs. And, and it's so useful to physically explore all of these sensations. Um, and yes, we feel all these things naturally in natural settings. But for most people, when they are learning a classical instrument, it's like we have to relearn how to get back in touch with those natural sensations. And we need to practice that. Actually, before I come over and, and, and demonstrate, let's explore. So, Cheryl, if you get ready to play that piece again, and then this time, don't concern yourself. Don't worry. Don't, don't sort of get caught up in the labelling of slower, louder. Play and explore the sensations in your chest of tension and release. See if you can let go of trying to control it. Just be aware of where you feel tension and where you feel that tension releasing and just see what happens. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. So beautiful. In particular, the tempo was, was bang on. The way that you were speeding up, slowing down was, was really beautiful. You were absolutely nailing it. And this is like, basically, this is rubato. And a lot of people either don't know how to teach rubato or how to learn rubato. That rubato was beautiful. Rubato, yeah, you know, we can think of like slow down here, speed up here. And, you know, sometimes it helps to have like that that awareness rather than the analysis but really it comes from the heart but it, but you know when a lot of people say the heart people are like well that's very airy fairy it's why i like to refer as to it as interoception of the chest which is a bit more scientific <laughs> um so for people who haven't heard my podcast before interoception is a word i use a lot interoception is the opposite of the word extraception extraception 
is the awareness of everything going on outside your body. Interoception is, are basically all the physical sensations going on inside your body. And I would add an extra caveat to that, that um, similar to mindfulness and meditation, it's the pre-verbal direct experience of the physical sensations. The moment you've sort of begin thinking about them and labeling them and categorizing them, they become thoughts rather than direct feelings. And it's less interoception then. So the interoception, it's the direct physical sensations. And the direct physical sensations inside your chest, for me, is a quite scientific way of, of describing what other people say is just play from your heart. <laughs> because this is something that anyone can practice and learn how to do. It's not airy-fairy like, oh, you know, you know, use your heart. No, practice interoception of your chest. It's, it's a tangible thing. That's interesting, actually. Yeah. So, so I'm more science minded, I would say, than I am creative. So I can see yeah. why some people would be sitting there <laughs> listening to this going, what? I completely get it. And I'm 100% on their side because I, I get I get it. <laughs> but I've been lucky in that I've been playing the piano for a long time. And so I have, I have been exposed enough to the side. But yeah. um, I suppose maybe one way of it, it might help people is that um, maybe a stronger feeling. So with this one, it's quite subtle, isn't it? When you're kind of thinking, what does my heart feel when I'm playing the piano? It's extremely subtle, yeah. I think. Or, or it to, can be. It can, well, yes, no, it can be. It, it depends. If you're used to feeling these things, then it isn't. But if you're new to this, then it's it's so subtle that it might be impossible. Exactly. And if you're, if, for example, if you're learning learning to play the piano, particularly classical classical piece pieces, and say if you're doing something that you're just not really that into, for example. So for me, like, sorry, Mozart, but most of like classical stuff <laughs> is not my thing. It's it doesn't get it doesn't you know make my heart expand particularly kind of thing. So if you are sort of doing that, then it's really difficult to get that kind of to understand what that feeling is, for example, right? Mm. And I would imagine as somebody who's learning as an adult, there could be a lot of pieces where it's like kind of run of the mill. You're kind of learning it in order to go and play something else that's harder that you actually want to play. Yeah, especially for beginners. I mean, that's 100%. your entire life as a beginner. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And so that could be quite difficult. So maybe a, a, str uh, a stronger feeling that I think most people have had in their lives is that kind of gut instinct feeling kind of all that intuition so we're talking about the stomach now rather than the chest or, or are we still, mixing still about, metaphors what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is uh it, it, it i mean it could be hard for me what a, um it's more to do with the introspection right uh interoception interception sorry not introspection interoception so people understand i think what that means when it is something that is more obvious like a gut feeling so it's just another what way. What do you mean by a gut it. feeling? Are we talking about something different here? What What does so that it, mean for you? Well, it's, because it's to me, to me, a gut feeling is literally an interoceptive, uh, an interoceptive sensation in yes. my stomach. Yeah. Well, from yes, that's, that's <laughs> one example. Okay. Yeah. But but is a gut feeling to you like something you feel in the chest? Well, no, that one is that one usually is where you feel it in your gut, and that's why people say that. Yeah. But what I'm what I'm trying to say is, is that people who may not quite understand what you're trying to get at when they, when you're saying, can you feel what's going on in your heart when you're playing this? Like, can you feel it? They might look at you, they look at you blankly and go, what are you talking about? But actually it's a very similar thing when you have a very strong gut instinct, you feel it. Do you know, that's interesting because when I have a strong gut instinct, maybe again, being a man, um, 
my gut instincts and even i would call it a gut sensation is a thought it's no. not something i directly feel in my gut i it's it's i i've been if i stopped and really meditated and 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 bearing in mind i've meditated for years and years and heavily gone into this i uh, i might be able to then follow it to its source which was the gut but really for me I, I, it's a thought that has a different flavor. That's how I know it's a gut instinct. Oh, so for me, that's not the case. For me, <laughs> it's, it's much more similar to what you're getting at here. Yeah, yeah. So I've had so, and I think a lot of people, possibly particularly women, I don't know, I don't want, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to label that too much. But um, I know that I've had a sort of like that kind of very gut instinct feeling. Something's not quite right here. And I cannot tell you why. Oh, yes. But later yes. on, you find out why. Well, the thing is, though, it's still that kind dare of... I say, dare I bring sort of uh, gender politics into this and say that women, women's lives depend on using that a hell of a lot where men's don't. Maybe less <laughs> on, so. On, on almost a to. daily basis, perhaps. Maybe less so, but they still would need to. Like Men men can still feel like if if they're walking down some sort of dodgy road and there's a gang of guys that might come and beat them up or something like yeah they, they will but, know they'll but, feel that tension but, but i'll argue that that women's lives are going to be way more driven by those kinds of needing to be aware of those things yeah possibly i have <laughs> to speak to some of my male friends about this one i think i will ask them but yeah. I, I still think that it's that sort of feeling might be more of I, I think an example that, of what I mean, I mean yeah, we're, we're, going, anyway. we're going completely onto random things, but I, but I just want to, I, I find this interesting. I'm going to argue, actually, that in many ways, as, as a man, when you're in a situation where a woman would need to heavily use gut instinct to go, it is not a good idea to walk down this dark alley. <laughs> this is dangerous. This man, um, is, it might not be the best person to go on a date with, whatever the hell it is. As speaking, speaking as a man, I think a lot of the time when I'm in a situation that might have that kind of gut feeling of this might be a bit dangerous, the first thing I do is shut it down um, because I don't want to come across as in any way vulnerable or afraid. You've got to look like I can handle this. Nothing's scaring me. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, you know, I do ex enjoy exploring these issues because it is interesting to me why... Um, male students and, and female students um, are so different in a lot of these things. So uh, anyway, uh, what do you think? I'm going to ask my male friends. I'm ask them. <laughs> I really want to know now. How do they feel? <laughs> How do they feel? <laughs> I was going to say, so when I played this just then, what I did notice was that um, I felt my chest come into play, like actually feel feel what I'm playing. But I first had, and I actively had to knock my brain out, if that makes sense. I actually emptied my head. Ah. And then a few seconds later, the actual chest feeling, and I, and I felt it. I was like, oh, now I'm in my right brain kind of space. Yeah, yeah. But I had, I noticed that I was like, stop thinking. Mind went blank, and then it flowed. Yes. I was like, that's interesting. Yes. It was very, very, very obvious. Yes. Yeah. I think that, you know, that's interesting because... You know, I think fundamentally we can split students into kind of two broad categories. And those are the ones that already are able to have an understanding of what it means to feel something in your chest, of being able to feel the tension and release. And then those for whom it's kind of a new 
thing and they're not used to feeling it uh, that much at all. Um, I think for the ones who who can already feel it a little bit, what can happen a lot of the time is the moment, like, like I was saying before, the moment they apply themselves to the piano and start trying to learn something, that just gets completely shut down because there's such ferocious focus on this note here, this finger here, that goes there, my teacher said this about that. And even when they're trying to play with emotion, it's it's through an intellectual lens of, I need to be doing this, I need to express that, but in a way that isn't be, being felt through the body, which is impossible. And then it, it, a lot of technical things, such as naturally, or, or, or even not naturally, but be able to slow down and get louder, is almost impossible unless we are feeling a sense of increasing tension in the chest, as you just demonstrated before, beautifully. Very few people can do that. Um, you know, I, and actually, if I got up to the piano, I would find it difficult even now to, to do that um, unless I was feeling in my body the, the emotion that, I was, that was being generated by it. To just slow down and get louder to build tension without feeling it somewhere is so, it's almost impossible. And then to the people who find it very, very difficult to feel anything, I have something that very, very quickly unlocks this. I'm going to come over to the piano and demonstrate something. So let's say that we have somebody who's playing this same Greek piece really unmusically. And actually, I would imagine that, that most... Um, what grade is this? Grade five? Uh, oh, grade four, that's right. I would imagine that most grade four students who play this probably will play almost exactly like that, the ones at the good end. That's like a good grade four student. I'll play it again. And so, you know, that's not really ugly. It's not awful. If if a grade four student played that, you'd go, wow, well done. That, that's, that's pretty good. But there's not much of an awareness of the ebbs and flows of tension and release. So, Cheryl, where do you think in those few bars, where's the one moment, the most, the biggest moment where the tension and release is being missed by someone who'd play it that way? It's in the second bar, and then it's in the fourth bar. Um, where exactly in the second bar? Uh, the second half of the second bar. I would say the first beat, maybe. I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's try it. Um. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of the so, uh, the beginning of the second bar. <laughs> <laughs> so. Would you be able to um, play it the way that I just demonstrated it? Just play it completely straight, just like basically like with an unwavering tempo with, with no tension and release whatsoever. Now, interestingly, interestingly, that first note, the first beat of the second bar you played slightly louder in in the right hand because you can't help it you're musical <laughs> but um but what i would get my students to do let's say that it was like really flat okay. i would say to them play and then 
the moment you, you just play normally and then the moment you get you, the moment that you've played the first note of the second bar freeze and then um so and when i say freeze let go of the note but then just stop and and just listen more sense. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Okay>. funny. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Now, I find that almost anyone, almost anyone, from the beginning, no matter how much they think that they can't feel what's going on in their chest, there's certain moments in music where if they just suddenly stop, or if I'm playing and just suddenly stop, they get what I mean. They, they get it. They, they, even if it's like an awareness that is only slightly in the chest, they they know oh no there is a feeling there's a sensation it might it, it might be a very strong thought of like well it's it's obviously like a suspense but it comes it really does come from the chest it's it's not a, a thought it's not like we analyze it like a robot and go oh i was expecting um more notes to happen in the cadence and the perfect cadence and um no we we feel it in the chest then um, rationalize it with with a with a belief and a thought about um, what we thought should have happened, but it comes from the body. So, and this is now getting a little bit more advanced because I think that you you've played this super musically. When when I was saying be aware of the sensations in the chest and exaggerate the tension release, you were playing really really beautifully. I think that that when we've been playing around in this podcast episode so far, you're really good at pushing and pulling the tempo and i think that the dynamics are a weaker thing can you play the first line feel into the chest feel the tension and release don't try to control it just use awareness and just see if it's see if whatever happens naturally with the dynamics is it something that you can nudge and push to make more of okay that's that's interesting now there's something that you're doing visually that i'm going to talk about in a minute but what was your felt sensation of that i think sometimes it worked and sometimes my brain got in the way yeah yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. how i felt so i felt like sometimes i was like i think when it worked my brain went oh like that do it again <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Shush up there. <laughs> yes. And and one way, and again, this is like, in a way, we could describe almost the entire point of meditation, of developing the skill of increasing interception as a strategy that stops all the incessant thoughts in the head. Now, it's dangerous to view that because then a lot of people believe that the the point of meditation, they think they can't meditate because they've got too many thoughts in their head. Yes, on, on the one hand, the effect of meditating is to quiet the thoughts in the head. But if you sit down and try to quieten the thoughts in the head, you're doomed to fail. That's just not, you don't sit down and try and stop the thoughts. That's never going to work. What works, and, and the most common strategy in meditation is to focus on the breath. And what you do is you focus on the sensation of, on, of the breath in the same way that what we're doing here is we're focusing on the internal sensations of the chest and the tension and release to make us more musical. Now, the more you practice this and the more skilled you become at coming back to the physical sensations, 
it's a natural side effect that the thoughts just have less power and they just don't do as much. This is very counterintuitive to a lot of people, but um, practicing interoception is how we stop thoughts grabbing us and it's how we get out of our head in that kind of way that, that you were um, experiencing then. So, so practicing interoception is the answer. This is why I nag my students about it. But everyone goes, yeah, 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 and goes straight back to their heads because it has a strong pull over us. Anyway, so that, that time when you played, I still feel like your changes of dynamics are very subtle. Can you make them really over the top, but in a way that you are feeling the tension release in the chest, but you're really exaggerating the dynamics? Yeah. And, and you may or may not be able to do this at this stage. Yeah, let's try. So can you turn that up by, by 10? So make it almost ugly, like make it like really <laughs> over really the top, over. not so tasteful. Okay. Ah, but without getting faster, you want to get slower. So, so it's really important to, to feel the tension. Okay. Yeah, yeah, still, you're still getting faster. So, I mean, th this, this is difficult. Yeah, you're still getting faster because now you're thinking about it more. It has to come from the chest. It's tricky, isn't it? I think I always speed up there, no? Do I not? No, 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 no. When you were, when you were doing it really musically, you'd slow yeah. down. Um, so, I mean, basically, in a way, you can think of tension and release. Uh, and I'll come back over to the piano in a minute. What you're doing is you're teasing the audience. When there's tension... You magnify the tension. You magnify whatever tension was already there by making your audience wait for it. So I'll, I'll come over, over and demonstrate. Now, that's obviously completely over the top and not in good taste. But could you feel in your heart that what I was doing is I was forcing you to wait and that's what created mm -hmm. the emotion. Yeah. So um, when you play and exaggerate the tension that's there, you're building this uncomfortable tension in your chest, almost to breaking point, which doesn't happen when, when it speeds up. Ah, yes. And then it got louder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. That was that was the biggest dynamic change that, that you've had so far. Really? What was different? Could you could you feel it more in your chest? Um Honestly, I knock my I, I just make my brain go blank. That's the first thing. I think yeah. that's maybe how I get into it, maybe. Yeah. Is by so switching your brain that off. Going more blank <laughs> means you are more feeling what's in your chest. Yeah. Yeah. But do you see what I mean? That Sometimes it's useful to be aware of this, but awareness of, of this by itself will not do it. It has to come from the chest. Mm -hmm. Go for it again and really exaggerate that, that dynamic thing. Basically, 
since I've started systemizing this more recently, this is something that I'm, I'm actually now doing with more awareness in, in almost every single bar, every single passage that I'm doing. It's so much more useful to, to sort of feel consciously this tension release. And it's interesting because when you were talking before about it being difficult for most people to enjoy Mozart, I've actually found, I've never been a massive Mozart fan, but since I've been more aware of the conscious use of tension release, I've suddenly found that my ability to enjoy Mozart has just skyrocketed. Yeah, so, yeah, neither of us have any Mozart on us, so I'll explore this in a future point. Um, or maybe explore uh, this kind of thing in a, a YouTube post. Um, by the way, I do have a YouTube channel for anyone who's interested in exploring maybe more of the technical side of my teaching. It tends to be that the podcast is for the psychological aspect of music and the YouTube is where I put all my more technical stuff. Yeah, yeah, Cheryl, have you got any questions uh, so far? Um, I wouldn't say on the technical side, although I am very interested. Oh, no, it doesn't have to be technical. Yeah, it can be, you know... Anything sort of related. Yeah, I think I would be interested more... I think I'd be very interested to hear from lots of different pianists from lots of different levels as to what they actually feel. Um, I would like to... So people who have been playing for years, how do they how do they describe it? People who've been playing for, you know, um, fewer years or just beginning. I I guarantee you that the more advanced the pianist, more than ninety nine percent of the time, everything is about a conscious awareness of tension and release. This is one of the most foundational things for advanced pianists, but it doesn't really get taught to beginners. And and I think, you know, this is a shame. So before you carry on with that, let me just jump in briefly and um, talk a little bit more about the, the technical aspects of tension and release, even though really this is for the podcast episode. It's a psychological skill, but I want to just explain how a little bit of technical awareness of this can be really useful, which is that basically in tonal music, which is almost everything, You've got three different kinds of functions in any given moment. You've got harmonies. I'm talking harmonic functions. You've got places that function as the tonic. Uh, you've got places that, that sort of have functions as the subdominant. And you've got places that function as the dominant. Now, I'm not going to go too much into this. But what I will say is that what drives so powerfully in almost predictable ways that you could almost program into a computer to make it sound like it was playing with emotion is that when you go to the dominant the dominant has tension and when you're on the dominant the dominant is waiting to resolve to the tonic and and if you don't know these terms it's okay don't don't worry about it just just bear with us and i won't spend a lot of time talking about this but basically the dominant harmony is where the tension is and it's generally where we can get slower, we can get louder and that increases the tension of the dominant. So um, Cheryl, what's a piece that almost every single beginner plays at one point or another? The one that you said before, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star? <laughs> yeah, okay, so, so I'll, come over, I'll come over and demonstrate Twinkle Twinkle Little Star with this kind of thing. So let's imagine that a beginner is learning Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, uh, maybe not the Mozart version, like a really simplified one. Um, and I'll just try and play it straight like a beginner might play it.
Um, just completely straight. What we could do is we could point out where the, the final dominant chord is. So basically we've got tonic, subdominant, tonic, dominant, but let's not worry about this one so much because it's just in passing. Dominant, which is waiting to resolve down to the tonic. So what I can do is when I get there, when I get to just before... I'm going to slow down and get louder, and I'm going to do it in a way that's very, very contrived. So it's it's not going to come from the chest, it's just going to be contrived. And isn't that an improvement? Well, what do you think, Cheryl? And why isn't this taught to beginners? <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? That, that because beginners, on the whole, never really think about... They're either musical, they will either naturally just go... Like the really naturally good youngsters will go... <laughs> they'll just do it completely naturally, or they'll just copy their teacher do that. Or, or they just go... But no one teaches, actually, you know, when, um, and you don't even need to use the word dominant. You can just go, you, you know, listen, if we go, um, if we go, there's a tension there. So, so how about if we go, um, we can already start to learn to be deeply musical right from that beginner level now i can demonstrate this the other way around what if we do the opposite and i go quicker and quieter it's so obviously wrong it's just so obviously wrong so um you know even in really 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 advanced yeah the, the most difficult repertoire Sometimes it's really useful just to be aware of, ah, this is a moment with tension. I'm going to slow down and, and get a bit louder as long as I'm also feeling it from my heart and not just it only being from the intellect. You have to feel it as well. So, yeah, now we're back on the normal mic. So, Cheryl, sorry I interrupted your train of thought before. Where were you going with your train of thought? I think you actually answered my question because um, it was... My my first thought was, do you need to have a certain level of competency before you can start doing this? And I think absolutely not. Mm. But but at the same time, you can't just expect somebody to just go, oh, you just get slower and get louder. As we've demonstrated in this lesson, you're a superb natural pianist. But when we approach it from the wrong state of mind, it's incredibly difficult. So... It's, it's an art to be able to bring this out of a student in that way. And it's an art as a student to learn how to access it. But right from the beginning, I think it's very, very important that people are aware that this is what makes us musical and that we already, right from the, the, the as early as we can, we explore and experiment how we get access to that natural ability to speed up, slow down, get louder, get um, get quieter um, in a way that, that matches what we're feeling and that we explore it and we play with it. I think 
I think for adult students, that will maybe make sense because you'll have the language to explain it. Maybe. They're, all, they're also going to be their worst enemies. Their own worst enemies, I would imagine, as well. Um, but what about a little kid? So say you have two little kids. One of them's like a protege and just gets it straight away kind of thing. And they're musical, but you, you don't have to explain it to them. They just get it. Well, even the ones that get it, a lot of the time will still do this the wrong way around. And it's still useful to to point it out and make it something that's not just mm. pure chance. But basically, this is always something that we can learn to be better and better at. To me, there's infinite levels of nuance to this. So it's it's always going to be useful. But then to to the um, to a little kid, you know, I, I do think it's teachable. But like you said, you don't explain it in grown up words, and there is an art form to how you do this. It could just be that you don't use words at all, and I could just demonstrate, you know, like mm. what what I played before was one version. I very obviously got slower, and then another version I very obviously got quicker. And I'd be like, well, which one do you prefer? And then can you show me those two ways of doing it? And you might, you know, do it that way. You don't have to spell out in, in words, but you can demonstrate the extremes and then play with that. Yeah, perhaps being a kid actually would be in your favour in that sense. Yeah, in some Because ways, I yeah. think if you did that for an adult, there's a possibility that some adults will say, oh, so all you did was get slower. <laughs> and that's all they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I think a, a kids will naturally... Kids are always in their bodies. And, and mm. uh, the younger the, the kid is, the more they cannot have that, that narrow focus, intellectual focus on something that means that we're no longer in touch with our bodies. That's why children learn instruments so quickly and, and so musically and why adults find it more difficult. So, you know, that's another reason why mm. what I'm doing is I'm hacking how any adult can learn an instrument in that same way that kids do it so easily. Because if you watch kids, kids are in their bodies. They, they are always interoceptive. They, they can't close that down. The more as an adult that, that we can stay in touch with our interoceptive awareness instead of just going to a, a compulsive, narrow focus of, of, of uh, what an intellectual thing that we're just focusing on, that's what's going to make us more musical. And to come full circle, I think a lot of this might seem quite obvious but it is an ongoing every second of your your practicing practice that, that it's a skill that you're practicing every moment because most adults most adult amateur pianists will have a habit of focusing so hard from for many reasons for like a greediness of wanting to be good. I want to be really good at this. I'm going to focus really hard because that's what society tells us that we have to do. It's, it's from a from an early age, uh, parents, teachers, focus, work hard, focus, try harder. The thing that makes us musical and the things that when I am learning a piece of music, if I'm not careful and I lose my interoceptive sensations because I I get lost in the the the, the blind ambition of of getting obsessed with something, I notice that I'm just not getting it. I suddenly don't learn as quickly, that it doesn't sound as good. But uh, this is something that the more you experiment with, this, this is something that you will feel and experience the truth of. But I think a lot of adults might underestimate just how important this is. I think a lot of adults really believe that learning a classical instrument is something you learn with the mind rather than with the body in, in this kind of way. What, what do you think? 
Uh, yeah, most likely, I would have thought. Particularly classical. classical yeah, yeah. Particularly classical, isn't yes. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classical has this very, I don't know, intellectual or mathematical. Disembodied. Kind of disciplined. <laughs> yes. Discipline might be the best word. Stiff, formal. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Stiff, formal, all of that, which kind of makes it um, a thing to, a thing to to crack, a thing to, this is just something that you learn by doing this. Yeah, yeah, As opposed to like jazz, even the word jazz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh. I think I've spoken about this possibly with you in one of the podcasts. I know Cheryl from uh, meetup groups uh, for Pyrrhus. I've got to say, you know, that this is something that pretty much the the vast majority of pianists who are at the the meetups that we go to, you can see that this is one of the things that is causing the most amount of problems of not feeling it because of the the rabbit in headlights feeling of, of trying to perform for people, which exaggerates to to an extreme these tendencies when people are practicing classical music that there will be some element of not being quite as much in the body and what's interesting you know i play electric guitar as well and uh, and i used to go to some the exact same kind of meetups but for jazz guitarists and it's like night and day while watching people playing amateur pianists playing classical piano and amateur um, the adult guitarist playing jazz it's night and day the jazz guitarists are just so mellow and and just like um, uh, not over focusing on everything and just like yeah really feeling it man yeah, yeah you know <laughs> I, I i think we have spoken about this haven't we um yeah such a difference so yeah i mean i, I am talking mostly here about classical music which uh, anyway any more points questions this has been an epic uh, episode. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, just a comment that it was a really fantastic realization for myself to basically practice switching my brain off, essentially, because mm. that seems to be the way to the chest feeling. If you see yes. what I mean. That's very interesting. Isn't that basically, what is the difference between that and magic wand practice? Um, I suppose, it, uh, yeah. Because um, when I describe magic wand practice, that's the point of it. The point of it is to basically, what would it be like if I just sat down and someone cast a magic spell and everything just came out? That to me is like, well, yeah, my brain isn't doing anything. That's kind of the point. And then it's uh, it's realizing that, oh yeah, that's that's the goal. Mm. Whereas I think that before you made that realization maybe just now in this session is there maybe like a a subconscious belief that actually that brain has to be active when you're doing when you're learning classical music i think in the past yes uh-huh. um i i have to say i've had like i've had experiences of when i've my brain has switched off but yeah. this is usually at home so when i'm practicing completely relaxed that's yeah. when i usually play the best right yeah, yeah. um in the past, I've had these experiences before, when particularly when I'm playing at home, because that is when you're most relaxed and so you play your best. Um, it's when you're, I've had those moments where my brain has switched off and completely no thoughts, nothing, and then you're sort of like, "Wow, this is actually sounding great." I've had those moments when I'm performing, and I've, but the problem is it becomes a battle in my head when I'm performing. There will be moments where my brain is empty. But then it comes back, 
it starts yakking again. And then that's when you're sort of internally, I'm like, shh, kind of thing. No, go away, go away, go away. And then mistakes happen. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is really and then, hard. And then the problem with that state of mind is it's the mind, the, the active monkey mind, as, as like uh, Buddhism would put it, or the, the part of our mind that uses words, the left brain. Mm. It's, it's our active controlling mind trying to stop the active controlling mind. It's never going to work. Mm. yeah 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 and so like kind of the whole point of all of these podcast episodes is to describe the strategies that we can practice in order to achieve that because trying to say to the mind shut up stop doing that is is the mind that you're trying to stop doing it to itself it's never going to work but how we get there is by increasing our ability to be in the body the body is is outside of all of that kind of stuff. If we are primarily in the in the prime sort of raw physical sensations before they get turned into words, we can keep coming back to that and just let we can let the brain the the mind still go blah 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 blah. It's not like we have to stop it, but we shift our our awareness to somewhere else, which is the body. I completely agree. What's really interesting about this, and I think I have made this point before in previous podcasts, is that I've, I always come back to dancing with this and I'm yeah. not trained. I'm not a trained dancer, so I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've been, thankfully, uh, thank you very much to some people who've told me I, I'm pretty good at dancing. So that's, that's nice to know. But I'm not like trained at all. Whatever we love, we're good at. Yes. I would argue. Just think, thinking about Zumba, for example, as an example, I've had experiences where I've had times where, I don't know, you're not just, maybe you're just not having a great day for whatever reason, and your mind is particularly powerful uh, some days. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. On those days, I can feel my brain getting in the way and I get it wrong a lot. And I can't fully let go and be, and be mm, in the moment. Mm. That happens probably 2% of the time. Mm. But it's interesting because the, the remaining 98% of the time, my brain is not thinking. There are no words in my brain at all when ah, I'm dancing or zumba. Yeah, nothing. I yeah. am just in the moment completely. My, I feel I'm in my body completely, mm -hmm. having the best time, not thinking about anything. Mm -hmm. um, and it's trying to get that here. So I'm just wondering if it's hard to do that. It's it's funny how like you. I find it so easy when it's dancing. It's something that I haven't been taught as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like That's for most of my life, no one taught me to do that with music, but I just did it. And, and then, you know, like I keep going on about this, but I spent many years recently not only doing a lot of meditating, but properly studying Buddhism. And I've realized, oh, that's what I've just done naturally at the piano. It's a shame I couldn't do it in the rest of my life, but uh, which is, you know, what we're talking about here. Like dancing, I was terrible at it because I wasn't doing that. But, but you know, what, what I'm doing here is, is, you know, I'm systemizing a load of basically what Buddhism and meditation teaches, which is how to still the mind. And that's what Buddhism is for. Uh, well, I mean, there's lots of things that Buddhism is for, but this is one thing that, that it's really good at, which is having a load of techniques and, and teaching how we still the mind to get out of all of that, which isn't just the case of just stop thinking. <laughs> that, that's never going to work. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... What do you think is the reason why you can so easily do what you're talking about on the piano, but 
not say at dancing? Because I've practiced it? it all my life. I've practiced it all my life, and and mm. the, the, um, the the four key psychological skills of which now this is number five, but you know the first four I think go a long way to explaining how I can do that because I just I naturally intuitively with some conscious awareness realized when I was very young like at the age of 10 or something that oh if I want to play really well with the minimum amount of time spent sat at the piano <laughs> and laziness was a massive factor in this you know how can I be really lazy but play amazingly well and really musically and not struggle with it uh, I naturally this uh, I naturally kind of thought well this is what you do and I've I've practiced them all my life without that's just what I've done because mm -hmm. I've just realized well that's just what you do that's why I can do it and now as a teacher I'm like going back and going let me let me systemize this let, especially through the lens of having done you know a lot of Buddhism let me sort of try and figure out these things that most people don't consider to be teachable but that actually if you look at it through a Buddhist a Zen a mindfulness perspective you actually can teach and learn these things yeah, that is interesting because I've done it with dancing my whole life as well from when I was a very, very small kid. Mm. Yeah. It is partly to do with something, uh, partly because you love it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, again, I've said this before in probably previous podcasts as well, is that if people are still struggling to uh, understand what we're talking about, if they can think about something that they love where essentially the feeling is that you kind of disappear like you disappear, you're just in the moment loving doing whatever it is you're doing. And that could be anything, it can be baking, it can be running, it can be whatever. That state of flow, that's what we're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. Which brings us to the first of the psychological skills, look for what there is to love. And what you're describing, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And then in the future episode, I'm going to talk about certain forms of meditation and mindfulness that aren't really taught in the West which is really sad and because like when you look at the the buddha's um teachings there's forms of meditation which some people call absorption meditation which which isn't really a thing that gets taught in the west but what you're describing is exactly that level of egoless absorption which is what um chick sent me high the the psychologist who sort of came up with the the scientific concept of flow states it is this kind of full absorption in what you're doing we will talk about this at some point so yeah thank you very much for tuning in and thank you again to foresight for the use of this uh, fantastic room please do support the podcast by liking subscribing leaving comments i am available for lessons uh, for anybody who's interested please do uh, check out the show notes if you'd like uh, all of the things that we've spoken about in uh, easy to digest bullet points and also my details will be there the details of all sides will be there um, thank you so much for tuning in and see you at the next episode so happy practicing and goodbye <laughs>